This is Secret Place Berlin, where we explore the sometimes hidden and not so well-known histories about Berlin, Germany. I'm your host, Lacey Berry, and today we explore the preservation of a 19th century city within a city, recorded from Lichtenberg Studios above the Lichtenberg Museum. Episode 10. Personally, I love maps. I love to explore them guiding my hands over its many marked streets, buildings, and green spaces. The first time I explored Budapest was with a map 50 years out of print, and my travel companion and I were astonished to see some points were still in their original standing, while others fell to the ruins of time. While planning my journeys out by bike, foot, or train, I like to have some indication of where I am going before getting lost in the fold of the real thing. Often constructing my routes with as many pathways through parks, forests, architecture, and shorelines. However, sometimes I come across areas of curiosity, and these pique my fascination the most. Victoriastadt, located in the lower map of Lichtenberg, is one of these such places. There are so many curiosities in this particular area, I will do my best to highlight the ones I gravitated to most. All places experienced while in residence at Lichtenberg Museum, the heart of Viktoriastadt and former city hall, or Rathaus in German. My first week staying in Viktoriastadt, or Kaskel Keats as it is referenced to for Kaskelstrasse, the street that runs right through it, I delved deep into the ambience of this area. A short walk from Ostkreuz, this little neighborhood gave me the feeling of being on holidays in a historical village, in my own city. I spent time walking and cycling the area, visiting local shops, discovering little historical preservations, speaking with residents, being surprised by unexpected art sculptures, and foraging edibles from the area. To me, this place was a gentle surprise, located not far from the bustling districts of Friedrichshain and Kreuzberg. Viktoriastadt is a sleepy gem held just north of Rommelsburger Buch, a bay surrounding an offset inlet from the Spree at the outer edge of the Ringbahn. The land Viktoriastadt stands on today was originally purchased in 1871 by brothers Anton and Albert Lehman of Rommelsburg Wool and Plush Manufacturers before founding Berliner Cementbau AG in 1871, together with Albert Protzen. The foundation stone marking the future of Viktoriastadt, or Victoria City Colony, was laid in 1872. Founded as a historic worker settlement for its surrounding factories and factory owner initiators, the Viktoriastadt represents an image of Berlin from the Wilhelmian era, a phase in 19th century Germany, Austria, and Hungary highlighted by great industrial importance. We touched a bit on this from episode 8 when exploring the industrial exposition that laid grounds for the invention of the great refractor of Archenhold Observatory. Viktoriastadt obtained its name after Queen Victoria, for close trade ties of fiber goods with the United Kingdom. A small area of fitted blocks within Lichtenberg, 
covering 22.3 hectares and completely surrounded by railway lines. At any given point in Viktoriastadt, you can hear the approaching thunder of trains passing, either roaring or squealing down one of the surrounding tracks, followed by interludes of dampened quiet. Made to house approximately 3,500 residents, Viktoriastadt or Kaskelkeets constructed buildings that were an architectural discovery in concrete at a time when there was an immense shortage of bricks. An innovative technique widely used in Berlin and across the world today. Developed by the Berliner Cementbau AG, the concrete housing blocks were headed by German civil engineer Alexis Riese with the applied methods of ceramicist and master builder Albrecht Terschmidt, using the technique to quickly and cheaply house workers at a time when nearby factories were in great demand of staff. The 50 to 70 concrete houses had no water, electricity, or gas connections in the first few years. Only a community cistern served as a main water dispenser, an aspect unpopular with tenants and had to be later adjusted in the 1890s when proper sewage pipes were introduced and the former Kuhgraben or cow ditch moat, taking sewage from Viktoriastadt to the Rummelsburger Buch was filled in. In 1981, 15 original concrete houses were counted, and more recent reports conclude that there are currently only six remaining, one housing a gallery that creatively exposes social issues through art practice. As Viktoriastadt grew from 1876 onward, Traditionally bricked buildings enclosed the formerly separated concrete buildings, forming whole streets. The area's founders named streets after German poets, philosophers, or composers, as well as a main street named after Terschmidt for his contributions to concrete housing in Kaskalkeets. In 1902, the surrounding train lines were elevated onto dams, creating space for traffic to proceed safely beneath making Viktoriastadt reachable only by underpasses. Except at Kuhnaiststrasse in the southwest portion of Viktoriastadt, an addition that was added on in the 1920s with the expansion of Knorr Plemza Company. And this is where our first point of curiosity seeking lay claim. The Knorr Bremse AG was developed in 1900 with the invention of a new brake technology for trains, a method that has made the company a major brake producer in Germany. From 1903, the factory in Friedrichshain grew into a huge complex with a length of 160 meters. And with its presence, a street in Friedrichshain was named after the business, a beautiful promenade still standing in its original glory today. With the increase in production, especially for the railroad industry, the company needed even more space. Therefore, the renowned Swedish architect Alfred Grenader built a new main plant on neighboring property east of the Ringbahn in 1922. Grenader was also known for engineering the first building period of the U-Bahn network in the early 20th century. 
The Knorr Bremse, or Knorr Break in English building, was again architected in 1927 that connected the new additions to the existing buildings by a series of underpasses and overpasses. The plant consisted of four distinctive towers, with the tallest, most western tower standing directly next to the Ubon. The most fascinating part of the location, with its large top floor housing tall 360-degree view windows looking over East Berlin. In 1943, Knorr Bremse allied the Nazi party and expanded to a building designed by Albert Speer on the edge of Lichtenberg in Marzahn. A building I came across while on a long bike ride through East Berlin. This building, though exposing a predominant facade, was actually operated like a camp, consisting of 22 barracks housing a total of 1,080 forced laborers. It had a hall with sick rooms, washing and shower facilities, and two sheds. After the war, the Knorr heirs were expropriated due to their close association with the Nazi party. The Marzahn building was taken over by Knorr Bremse affiliate and successor, Hase and Werde GmbH, to create diesel engines. The original building in Viktoriastadt was then again developed into the main manufacturing headquarters for brakes in the east by VEB Berliner Bremsenwerk in 1954. After the fall of the wall, the building was briefly owned by Knorr Bremse AG again until becoming a protected historical site. Today it is used as an office building for the German Pension Insurance Association. Approaching the intersection it stands from the elevated bike path, I explored further on foot the possibility of entering the metropolis-looking tower. With its red brick construction and embedded pillars, I had dreams of emerging into the large open top floor space, drenched in sunlight, but currently it is privately owned and guarded by strict security. The next intriguing monument is much smaller, sitting atop a set of historical row houses on the outer edge of Viktoriastadt on Nölderstrasse. It is easy to miss, but if one looks up while passing by, they may be confronted with a peculiar sight, the Schrottkugelturm, or Schrottball Tower in English, an 18-meter, 10-story tower protruding out of the residential building's rooftops. Inside the tower, one can reach the topmost platform by climbing 197 steps to a point where lead was heated until molten, and then poured into a drop tube. During the freefall, the lead drops became seamless spears by the time they reached a water-filled basin at the bottom. The small balls were produced as ammunition mainly for pellet guns. The tower was erected in 1901 by lead foundry and machine factory Yule and Sons, and can only be accessed by in-house stairwells. In 1939, the production of shot balls in the tower was discontinued and the site became a protected historical site, until revoked and again under GDR possession before closing a final time, before being listed again in 1994. Badly damaged, the Schrottkugelturm was restored between 1998 and year 2000. 
The tower itself exposed a northern Italian medieval design and is made of brick and glassless ventilating windows that provided further cooling for the descending lead balls. I visited the building and was guided up to a locked door by a couple very kind building residents. However, to my dismay, the tower remained behind locked doors and can only be visited once a year in September during the Tag de Offen Denkmals. Doors Open Day or Monument Day, guided by the Bureau for Industry Culture. I will add a link in the show notes. In the Victoria Stadt town square known as Holo Platz, there stands the smallest art gallery in Berlin. But before it became a tiny art gallery, much before, shortly after Victoria Stadt was birthed into Berlin, a small structure that housed telephone connection cables were installed. However, its initial place was not at Tucholo Platz, but rather near Ostkreuz at Kneisbrücke. In 2001, the little line booth was found, restored, and relocated to the center of Victoria Stadt where it proudly stands today. Situated at the east corner point of the square, the small hexagonal-shaped pavilion, clouded with half-length windows on three panels, bears the stripped-down parts left over from a vertical telephone switchboard. Room enough to house a single person, an operator would stand or sit inside to connect callers with their recipients. Built in 1881, after the advent of the telephone, the little line-splitting building had been in operational use throughout King Wilhelm II's reign, the Weimar Republic, World War II, and the GDR until switchboard systems became increasingly unpopular and the little line branch was fully decommissioned in 1992 and abandoned before becoming preserved as a protected historical landmark. I wonder what conversations happened during all those eras over phone lines. I imagine some of new technological excitements to reach loved ones from far away. Some of war conspiracies and others of untapped East German secrets. After its restoration supported by federal and state subsidies in 2002, the switchboard booth was adopted by Kaskel Keats community as a space for the arts. Appropriately named Linienwirtsfeige, or Line Branch in English, the exhibitions and projects held in and around the Linienwirtsfeige include cinema projections, installations, sculpture, immersive projects, photography exhibitions, and so on. Also a listed site under Monument Day, Visiting the line branch today, there are documents stating its timeline over 125 years, and if one is lucky, you may catch a small exhibition showcased in or around the little structure. On the topic of art, Victoria Stadt also reveals sculptures dotted everywhere around the Keats. My particular favorite was the light objects found beneath some of the bridges leading into Victoria Stadt from the outer Berlin. Bewildered on first approach, I wondered what they were, but on a nighttime walk through the small city, I found they also beamed with an energetic and calming light. These light sculptures, one green, long, and snake-like, weaving its way through a roadway underpass. The other, red and round like a hovering amoeba. Both served to christen the small village's entry points. 
warmingly welcoming visitors or residents to and from the Nulder Platz train station or through Schultz Boisenstrasse in the evenings with their calming glow and gentle lingering presence during the day. Built by local artist Kirsten Weichmann, her projects are permanent and can be viewed by day or night when visiting Kaskel Keats. Speaking with Victoriastad locals, I learned that Kaskel Keats went through several phases, from a laborer's village surrounded by industry to a GDR extraction site, a foreboding location for criminals, a refuge for squatters and train operators, and a fertile ground for artists and young families. Today, the historical buildings are protected along with the neighbor's long-term residents of Kaskel Keats and has been placed under environmental protection since 2017, making conversions of rental apartments into luxury residences restricted around Kaskelstrasse. Renovations are only allowed if they meet the minimum standard of energy-saving ordinance. This prevents tenants and local facilities from being displaced by the impending gentrification most of Berlin's hip neighborhoods currently face. Now if only the rest of Berlin was regarded like Viktoriastad. Thank you for going on this exploration with me down the streets of the city within a city. For more information about Secret Place Berlin and to join the Secret Place Berlin community, please go to my website, www.laceyberry.com slash secretplaceberlin, or follow us on Instagram at secretplaceberlin, where I release a custom illustration made by me in relation to the secret place we shared on this program. Secret Place Berlin also has a Patreon where you can support us. Though we love creating each episode and sharing my favorite places and secrets about Berlin, Secret Place Berlin does need your support to share our little city secrets. Our Patreon monthly subscriptions start at just one euro where I happily send you a Secret Place Berlin sticker in gratitude. You can set your support amount higher and receive limited edition postcards, artworks, and tours for you and a friend. For more information, check the link in the show notes. And as always, thank you to our already current subscribers. Please also remember to rate and review us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. Music for this episode is made by Rosano Schnell. You can find a link to more of his wonderful music and links to our show's resources in the show notes. In the meantime, thank you for listening and have a discreetly secret evening. Goodbye and auf Wiedersehen.